Our mindset is to start as a servant so that we might end up a leader. The Bible has something different to say. And again, welcome. This is Times of Refreshing with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman, the ministry of The Well, a Christian community here in Livermore, California. Yesterday, we began a look at Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45, a message that Pastor Napoleon simply entitled Servanthood. And what we're taking a look at is the biblical role and model of those who would be successful in whatever endeavor they set their minds to by being upside down from the world. Instead of being a leader, to be a servant is to be above all. With more, here's Pastor Napoleon and today's program. Whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first, he says, shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, But to what? And to give his life a ransom for many. The, the, ah. The most important thing that you could give a person is yourself. And what I mean by that, I mean your time. I mean your treasure. I mean your talents. I mean your temple. I mean everything that pertains to you. This is, this is what God is looking for us to give, that we begin to give of ourselves. And it is the pattern for greatness in the kingdom. A lot of people want to be first. They don't understand. In order to become first, you have to become last. In order to go up, you've got to go down. In order for God to promote you, we all have to have a servant's heart. And Jesus Model this for us. And he's breaking the chains of this, I believe, off the church. And I'm not just talking about the well. I'm talking about there's some things that money's not going to do it. Our knowledge alone is not going to do it. It's when we begin to lay down our lives to help other people. When you don't feel like it. When you don't feel good. When you don't feel, and, and, and just like Jesus said, you're going to take the baptism. You're going you're gonna, to, these guys are going to, and they did, they experienced the baptism that Jesus Christ was baptized, baptized with. But what he's talking about, he's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about the baptism into suffering. That when you, when you experience the pain of it all, which leads to exaltation. That's what God is looking for from us. That, man, I don't feel like getting up and going over there. I'm tired of all y'all. But you get up and you do it. Why? Because I'm a servant, man. And God called me to do this. Lord, I don't want to minister to my boss. I want you to fire him. (laughs) Now, in the name of Jesus. And you're telling me to go and be nice and, and... and, and pray for them and minister to them and to serve them. 
See, look, I lost some of y'all at the church. <laughs> y'all like, oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I know he's not preaching to me right now. But, but when you have a heart to serve and you realize that you're not just serving your boss, you're serving God who gave you the job. Can I, can I have an image? Who gave you the job and is watching you to see if you're going to serve as unto the Lord. Lord, I, I don't want to go and serve in the children's church. The kids in there coughing and they're not listening. And these kids need some home training, Lord. You need <laughs> And we got all these excuses that go through our mind instead of, not, instead of realizing that you don't know the impact of your service and how you're going to touch that one little one. That will change their life forever. And, it's, and especially when you serve them with a smile on your face. And you, you reach out and touch that person and you watch and you see how they grow. And mature. And love God. And are faithful to God. And then you watch them bloom. And, and then you don't realize that on your account in heaven, God said, cha-ching. Whether it's the worship team, whether it's preaching, whether it's whatever you're doing. That God, you said here, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. It's about imparting life for other people. It's about giving of yourself to other people. It's about doing what you don't always feel like doing for other people. And then God turns around and says, that's servanthood. Jesus didn't like it when he was being whipped. It says he despised the shame and then sit down at the right hand of the Father. He didn't, it, wasn't a, it just wasn't a great glorious experience for him when he laid down his life for us, when he gave of himself for us, when he gave us his time, his talent, his treasure, and most certainly his temple to redeem humanity. It wasn't something that was a pleasure. It was something that was painful. It was something that was, that was tough, but yet he was willing to do it so that someone else could be blessed. And yes, you're working hard. And yes, you got two jobs. And yes, you decided to have those kids. And they got to eat. And they got to go to college. Oh, Lord Jesus. They got to go to college. And they got to get their education. And they got to, and all those things, God has called you and has allowed you to do. And now it's your, it should be your pleasure. And I shouldn't say pleasure as much as I should say privilege. To serve. And to help the next generation get blessed. And that's how God has fashioned the kingdom. But unfortunately, we have a different view. I want to move to Matthew chapter 23. And I want to share this passage with you also. So that we, this gets fixed in our hearts. So that we don't become just religious people who outwardly are looking for the stuff. But inwardly, we're not modeling what it looks like to be a true servant. And Jesus said, the greatest among you, let him be your servant. Matthew chapter 23, verse 1. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes 
and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do. What he's basically saying is they, they have the, they're holding the truth in unrighteousness. They're not practicing what they're supposed to be, what they're preaching. What they're saying isn't aligning up with their lifestyle. Now, nobody is perfect in this room. Sometimes there's going to be some contradictions. We understand that. But Jesus is making it perfectly clear that what they're saying is right, just don't model their lifestyle. But we don't want to have this in our lives and in our personal lives. And then he goes down and he gets specific. He says in verse 4, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They're holding the standard there, but they're not modeling the standard. So even in leadership, it's, it's praise God that, that you're a minister in the church, a deacon in the church, an elder in the church, a pastor in the church, whatever it is. The bottom line is that, that the title isn't the thing that clearly defines you. It's your union with Jesus Christ. And God gave you the title so that you can have understanding of your function, but servanthood, servanthood is what it's all about. That we all become servants. He says, these individuals were telling people what to do, but they won't do it. He says in verse 5, he says, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feast, the best seats in the synagogue. How dare the pastor sit me on the floor? Doesn't he know that I'm a prophetess, extraordinaris? I said extraordinaris. I made that word up. How dare he not acknowledge me? He saw me in this church. Then people walk around and, and they think that what makes them holy is the clergy collar. The clergy collar doesn't make you holy. What makes them powerful is, is all the external stuff. And this is what the, he's, he's telling them here. They love the best places. They love this. I can't come preaching in your church unless you put me in a five-star hotel and I can only have, you know, a special drinking water. I'll come preach at your church if you give me X and X amount of dollars and fly me first class when Jesus was riding on a donkey. And I'm all for men and women of God being blessed. We want to do that. But if you come out of the gate, you see, we don't have a bunch of people coming through here preaching. This isn't a free-for-all. This everybody called. Me and Maria tell people, can I come preach? They send me. No, I don't even know you. How are you living, man? Can I have an amen? And I got a bunch of preachers in here that can preach. Can I have an amen, y'all? And then, and then I looked at your website. You said you won't come unless we pay you less, anything less than $10,000. You're not coming. The devil is a lie. Can I have an amen? We've turned this into a big show. And people have gotten so high that they think 
that that's greatness. And they think that I, I can't preach unless I have, you know, a special kind of outfit that makes me look sweet. Well, how about you preach without having the Dooney and Burke? How, how about we preach and you don't have to have the big cross with 15 diamonds? How about we preach like Jesus did? He just sat down and they were on the water and he pushed a boat out and he sat there and he just began to preach and change people's lives. We got to get rid of this, this thing in the church where people think this is the spot. We go up here, we preach for an hour, and you go back down and you start serving people. It's not, it's not that. This is once a week. We got to get back to a place in our mindset in the church where we get this movie star mentality out of the house of God. Can I have an amen? And we get down and dirty where people are at and start reaching them. Look what he says here. He says they love, verse 6, they love the best places at the feast, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called by men rabbi. But you do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. He says, do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. And I think we all understand the context of this and what he really means by this. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. We understand. Apostle Paul called himself a teacher. The, 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 the point he's trying to make is God is your ultimate father. He says Christ is your ultimate teacher. Everyone that is, that is teaching the gospel, that is fathering, it should be under his lordship, and this should be an extension of him. He says, but he who is greatest among you shall be your what? Servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be what? Exalted. This is the mindset that we have to have. And I am preaching this all over again because I'm seeing this devastating trend pop up in the church again. And I'm not just talking about the well. I'm talking about in Christianity where people are looking for a superstar or they want to become a superstar doing God's business. But that's not what this is all about. Praise God for pastors. Praise God for apostles. Praise God for pastors, for preachers and and teachers and, and evangelists and, and all the things. We praise God for that. And we love the fact that God brings these gifted people to our church. Our church is very gifted. But you can have a, a title. But if you don't have the right heart, you are disqualified. God is looking for people ultimately to be servants. And that's what we need in the house of God. And that's what we need in our homes. That's what we need in our communities. That's what we need to make, to, to make aware 
in people's hearts that this is the greatness of it, is, is finding ourselves serving people. And saints, I want to say this in closing. In this church, my prayer is that this church continues to be a dirty work church. That we're the type of church, yes, people come in, we all dressed up, we're not, but man, we will get down and dirty and we will cast the devil out of people. We will feed the poor. We'll go into the inner cities of San Francisco and Richmond and Oakland. And we will go in there with no hesitation and see the kingdom of God come. We'll get in a plane and we'll fly to Lima, Peru and go into some of the the worst neighborhoods that you ever experienced in your life. We will go there. We will sneak into Vietnam and take the gospel there and share our faith in there too. We'll go into Cambodia. And we'll go into places all around this world where, where people need to hear the gospel and they need to be served. And our heart has to be bent towards that. And stop worrying about a title. Stop worrying about being ordained. Stop worrying about the Do the work and then the ordination will come. And I have an amen. Do the work. When we start doing the work and then God starts doing the other stuff. But we've made this thing a show. And it doesn't help that we have shows like Preachers of L.A. and Preachers of This and This and That and all this foolishness. Where people think the church is just some big celebrity context where it's just, it's just. When Jesus was born and then placed in a manger, raised up in Nazareth, a place that no good thing they say could come from there took upon himself the form of a servant, got out and served his community with the gospel. Cast out devils, healed the sick, preached the gospel, laid hands, raised the dead, opened the eyes of the blind people, fed the 5,000. He did the dirty work, then turned around and was killed by the same people that he served. Then, When he had done all of that, God highly exalted him and sat him on the right hand of the Father and gave him the name that, oh my God, and gave him the name that is above every name. So stop worrying about being tired. Stop worrying about people lying on you. Stop worrying about being, you know, people saying this. Stop worrying about what everybody else is doing. You know who you are and you know what your assignment is, and that is to serve your community. Can I have an amen, y'all? Can I have an amen, y'all? Come on, everybody stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. You know, and this, this almost brings me to tears. Elder Kenyon and I, we gave our lives to Jesus Christ at the same time. Right around the same time. I got saved first. Myself and Jerome Davison. We started ministering to Elder Kenyon. Kenyon gave his life to God. We saw God do great things. When I got saved, the first church that I attended was a storefront church in Sacramento. My wife will tell you we had about 40 people in the church. About 40 people in the church. Storefront. Man, we had so much fun. We had so much fun. And 
Pastor James Davis was his name, the pastor. And if Pastor James Davis walked in the room, you would, you would never know. But man, when he opened his mouth, it was like just the nuggets of wisdom and the maturity. You get around some Christians, you could tell they're, they're seasoned. And they're seasoned, you could, you could tell that they're seasoned by the scars. You know? And nothing like watching the Animal Channel and you look up and they show a pride alliance. And then all of a sudden, here come the big one with all the scars. You know he's the, you know he's the champion. But he got some scars. And Pastor Davis, he would sit there and he would, he would just, just preach to us. And the thing that just always amazed me was it wasn't his external that made me admire him and think he was powerful. Because his bodily presence wasn't you know, impressive. It was what came out of his mouth that struck me. And from that point on, as I watched him, I saw how because he was secure in who he was in Christ, serving and giving himself and doing things for people, even though he was the leader, it didn't faze him. He just served. Now, Pastor James Davis never had a mega church. He never preached the gospel all over the world. He never had an impact that, you know, I thought that maybe he would have. He ended up dying and going home to be with the Lord. But I, I can, when I look at this ministry and the stuff that I, by the grace of God, I've been able to do and others in this church, Kenyon and others been able to do through his ministry. You see that, you see the fruit that's associated with faithfully serving. That it's not, stop thinking that God's always going to put you on display. It may that be that person that you touch that's going to be on the display, but God has caused the fruit to come to your account. Stop thinking that I, I got to be the one. No, maybe it's not you, but it is you just through somebody else. So don't panic. Just continue to stay faithful. And Pastor James Davis, he never had a church like this. He never, he never, we just had 40 people in that church. But I look at the fruit of his ministry and it breaks me down sometimes. Because I say, this man was such a servant and God used him. He didn't see it, but he got it. Amen. It's the same thing for everyone in this room. Just serve. Let God take care of the results. When Apostle Paul, and I'm going to close with this. Apostle Paul was writing these epistles. Could he have ever imagined that 2,000 years later, that we're still talking about him. Did Peter? I know he could. It's not like God showed him everything. He was just being faithful. 2,000 years later. We're still talking about these people. We're still talking about the powerful women of God in this Bible. That God used. But they were just faithful. They didn't know that God was going to take them. And put them on display. 
The Apostle Paul was crucified, Apostle Peter was crucified upside down. He denied the Lord, then turned around and said, I don't, I'm not even worthy to be crucified right side up. Crucify me upside down. His life is on display forever because he was willing to serve. Saints, get the image out of your mind and get to work. A production of the Well Christian Community, this has been Times of Refreshing with our teacher and pastor, Napoleon Kaufman. As we close out our time together today, we trust and pray our time together has encouraged you in Christ, has encouraged you in your walk and relationship with Him. If it has, we'd love to hear from you. Now, there are a couple of ways you can get a hold of us. By phone, of course, the easiest, 925-292-7800. Again, you can reach us at 925-292-7800. You're also welcome to write to us. Address your envelope to the Well Christian Community. 2333 Neeson Drive. That's here in Livermore, California, the zip code 94551. Of course, you can always stop by our website. You can learn all about us at thewellchurch.net. That's thewellchurch.net. You can even take advantage of a few links, one of which will take you to our Facebook page. Or if you're on Facebook, simply look for The Well Christian Community. Don't forget, as you visit our website, take a moment and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can also follow Pastor Napoleon, by the way, on Twitter. His address, at Napoleon Kaufman. All one word, at Napoleon Kaufman. We thank you for spending time with us again today and look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue looking at God's Word for times of refreshing. Until then, may Jesus Christ be highly exalted in your life and may he bring you a peace that passes all understanding. 